0: hi everybody thank you for being here today today we are celebrating a baptism service as you've already been uh, tipped off about and that's taking place here in just a couple of minutes there's four individuals who will be baptized and you're going to be hearing them share their faith story by video and then you'll be able to witness them being baptized right here now if you are new or newer to our church, or if you've never been here for a baptism service, you may not realize that we have a baptism tank recessed here in, into our platform. I like to think of it as a cross between a bathtub and a jacuzzi. <laughs> a bathtub because it's filled with water, except a lot bigger than any bathtub I've ever seen, and like a jacuzzi because it's heated. It does not, however, have the massage jets. That's an idea, though, maybe would increase our baptisms around here. Over on this side, under this panel, is all the controls the electronic stuff, plumbing, pipes, a pump, a heater, safety things. It's a pretty elaborate setup. Why do we go to so much trouble? It's because as a church that follows traditional Baptistic theology and practice, when a person comes to faith in Christ, surrendering their life to him, we baptize him or her by immersion. That is, they go completely under the water. Hence the need for the big tank and all the setup. Now there are some churches Uh, other denominations who think of baptism a little bit differently practice it a little bit differently, sometimes by pouring water or sprinkling, but we practice baptism by immersion and I want to ask and attempt to answer the question, why baptism by immersion? Now I want us to understand why we do what we do, but more than that I want us all to ask ourselves, is baptism a step that I need to take. And I'll tip my hand and tell you, if you are a follower of Christ, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, he wants you to take this step of baptism. So why baptism by immersion? I'm going to share with you four reasons that we practice baptism by immersion, and I'm just going to say this. To me, I've ordered them in such a way as they grow in significance. So if you hear point one and say, I don't no big deal, I Hang with me. They're going to grow in significance as we work through them, all right? Here's the first reason we practice baptism by immersion. Because baptism accounts in the New Testament appear to have been by immersion. Appear to have been by immersion? That's not a very strong statement. Is that the best you got? No, it's not the best I got, but I told you I'm going to ease into this. Also, I don't want to be guilty of overstating it. Preachers sort of have that tendency of speaking everything in absolutes all the time. I want you to look at the New Testament accounts of baptism and see how it seems to you. Did they baptize by pouring or sprinkling or by immersion? The language used in the the New Testament about baptism and descriptions of baptism suggest to me pretty strongly that they baptized by immersion. Dunking, fully going under. You want to look at a few examples? Well, let's start with John, who was also known as John the Baptist. In John chapter 3, verse 23, we read about his baptisms. It says, now John was also baptizing at Anon near Salim because there was plenty of water, and people were coming and being baptized. The statement plenty of water does not prove that John baptized by immersion, but I think it suggests it. Pouring or sprinkling doesn't require plenty of water. Immersion does hence the tank behind us. You add to the fact it's pretty clear the location John used to do his baptism was the Jordan River. Again, plenty of water such as you would need for immersion. Now sometimes it can be a challenge coming up with plenty of water for a baptism. Our Collingswood campus has gotten pretty creative at times. They've actually used one of the carnival dunk tanks for a baptism makes for a pretty interactive worship experience as members line up with baseballs to throw at the target. Sometimes the language that the New Testament uses to describe baptisms uses phrases like going down into the water and coming up out of the water. For example, in Acts chapter 8, we, we read about the, uh, the occasion in which Philip baptized an Ethiopian official. And he had spoken to this official about Jesus Christ. The official was reading from the prophet Isaiah. Asked, who's the prophet talking about? Philip used that passage to talk about Jesus as the sacrificial lamb upon whom all our sins were laid. So listen listen to then what happened, as we read here in Acts chapter 8. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the Ethiopian official said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the Ethiopian official went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the Ethiopian official did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Now think about it. It was coming upon a body of water that prompted the Ethiopian official who had accepted the message of Christ to request and suggest baptism. Now, he's a government official. He would have been traveling in a pretty large uh, entourage. It wasn't just the two of them. Surely there was someone in that entourage that would have had a a thermos or a jug of water if they'd wished to practice baptizing by pouring or sprinkling, but it was coming upon a body of water that prompted the request. I suggest that's, that is presenting to us baptism by immersion. Notice the ex- descriptions of what happened. Both Philip and the official went down into the water. I don't think that means they both were immersed. I think it just means they stepped into the river. And when they came up out of the water, again, I don't think they both were under. I think they just walked out of the river. But the question is, why did they step into the river? It suggests that the baptism that was taking place was a baptism of Immersion. So the pattern suggested by the New Testament describes what appears to be baptism by immersion to those people who have faith in Christ and understand the implications of what it means to surrender their lives to him. Are you with me so far? Let's look at a second reason we practice baptism by immersion. And that is that the meaning of the Greek word from which we get the word baptize has at its root the idea of dip or plunge. The word itself implies dipping or plunging. Baptize is not a word of English origin. It's really the Greek word baptizo that we've transliterated into English by writing it out with English letters. And it comes from the Greek root bapto, which literally means to plunge or to dip. So the very origin of the word that we use to come up with the word baptize, it carries the idea, not of sprinkling, not of pouring, but of... Immersing. What I find really interesting is that there's, there's uses of the Greek word bapto, from which we get baptized, in the New Testament that have absolutely nothing to do with a religious ordinance or religious ceremony. I'll give you one example, and we'll put it up on the screen. This is coming from John 13, which is the occasion of the Last Supper in which Jesus shared that supper with his disciples on the night before his crucifixion. Jesus announced that one of them would betray him, and they all want to know who. Who is it? Who's going to betray you? So Jesus uses a form of the word bapto to answer their question. Take a look, at if, see if you can see which word is translated from the Greek bapto. Jesus answered, it's the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then, dipping the piece of bread he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Did you see it? Where's bapto? Dip. It's in there twice, two forms of it, dipped and dipping. And so what did Jesus do? He took a piece of bread and he plunged it into the broth or the gravy or the sauce. He immersed it. So the very, the very origin of the word from which we get, the, get baptized carries the idea of immersion, going under, plunge, to dip. Make sense? All right, here's a third reason we practice baptism by immersion, and I think this is where it starts to really be significant. And this, it's this, immersion is an excellent picture of the spiritual realities behind baptism, death and resurrection. So I want you to think about this with me. Baptism in water, such as will take place today for these four individuals that you'll soon meet, it's an outward or a physical picture or symbol of an inward or spiritual reality. What is that inward spiritual reality of which water baptism is a picture? I'll tell you what it is. It is the believer's union with Christ in his death and his resurrection. Now the heart of the gospel message is that Jesus Christ died and rose again. The scriptures declare that those who have put their faith in Christ have been united with him spiritually in that death, in that resurrection. So listen to how Paul talks about this in Romans 6 verses 3 and 4. As he explains this union that we have with Christ. He says, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. The baptism Paul mentions here is not water baptism. It is spirit baptism. Water baptism is the outward picture of this inner reality. That means that every believer who's come to faith in Christ for forgiveness, for new life, has been baptized already spiritually through union with Christ in his death and resurrection. God's spirit has united you with Christ in his death and his resurrection. And that is true for you, whether you have ever been baptized by water or not. You've been baptized by the Spirit, died to an old way of life, and raised to a new one. And that is why... Paul can say in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, now that phrase in Christ used so often by Paul is talking about our union with Christ through his spirit. So if anyone is in Christ, united to Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Baptism by immersion, pictures, Beautifully, that spiritual reality, that death to an old way of life, that resurrection to a new way of life. Immersion, in my opinion, is the best way to visualize this reality. Something in me has fundamentally changed. The old has died. A new me has been raised to life. Why? Because I've been united with Christ through a spiritual baptism. And this pictures this in in an amazing and beautiful way. So when you step into the waters of baptism, you're announcing very clearly and very vividly, something about me has changed. The old is gone. The new has come. I've died to an old way of life. I've been raised to a new one. And that's why, as you're about to see, when Pastor Mark conducts a baptism, he has some very specific words he uses at very specific times in the baptism. So when the candidate is going under the water, and Pastor Mark is lowering him or her under the water, Pastor Mark says these words, in the likeness of Christ's death, and he holds you there a good long time, (laughs) to make sure you understand that the old you is dying. And then as he raises you up out of the water, he says, in the likeness of Christ, what? Resurrection. Immersion is a beautiful picture of what has happened to you. The old is gone. The new is come. That's why we practice it. I've got one more reason that we practice baptism by immersion. It's this. Immersion demonstrates visually and explicitly that I am all in for Christ. In English, we have a handful of expressions, euphemisms really, that we use regularly when a couple is about to make the ultimate relationship commitment we call marriage. Right? You know these expressions. Fill in the blanks for me. We say, they are about to tie the knot. They are about to get hitched. They are about to take the. You, there it is. And why do we say that? Because we understand that they are making the all in commitment, at least on the human level, that marriage is meant to be, right? They're committing to be all in in sickness and in death, in health, in richer or poorer, till death do us part. We get it. Marriage is an all in kind of commitment. The scripture makes the analogy between marriage and faith on more than one occasion, and I think it's appropriate. In a real way, baptism by immersion is a powerful way to demonstrate visually and explicitly that I am all in for Christ. I am quite literally taking the plunge. Come what may, no turning back, I've decided to follow Jesus. I am all in. Have you made an all-in commitment to Jesus Christ? And have you demonstrated it to your own heart and to the rest of us of being baptized. Baptism announces, I am all in for Christ. I, I am, I'm concerned honestly by the apparent reluctance on the part of a lot of believers to make that kind of commitment to Christ. And, and even a, a baptism in a public way like we're doing today seems to be kind of an optional step that they're, un, they're unwilling to make. I think there's a unique problem with American Christianity that a lot of time we want God in our pockets so we can pull him out when we need him. We want him to bless us and to prosper us, but we're not really willing to make an all in commitment. So when a test comes and I've got to choose between Christ's way or my way, I don't know what to do. I've never announced to myself, to God or to anyone else that I'm all in. We're reluctant to make that commitment questions often asked: do I need to be baptized in order to be saved? Or do I have to be baptized to go to heaven? You know, to me, more important than the, que- the answer to that question is the reason it's being asked, the motivation behind it. Because if you're asking that question and you're hoping the answer is no, you don't need to be baptized to be saved or get to heaven so that you can confidently opt out of taking that step and going public with your faith, I'm, I'm concerned about that. It does take courage to do this. Speaking in public is one of people's biggest fears. You kind of have to do that. you got to sit in front of a video camera. You've got to share your story, which is very personal about your faith journey. It takes courage. But here's my question. If Christ has commanded you to get baptized, regardless of whether or not your salvation depends on it, why look for a way to get out of it? After all Christ has done for you, why would you be unwilling to take this step for him? Wait, Pastor Don, did you say Christ commanded us to be baptized? Yeah. I want you to take a look at Matthew 28, 19 to 20. It's known as the Great Commission and where Jesus gives some of his final words to his followers before he ascended back to heaven. Look at what he says. He says to them, go into all the world and make disciples. What's the next word? Baptizing. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all I have commanded you. Christ has set the pattern that disciple-making includes baptism. So if you're a follower of his, he wants you to be baptized. And I think one of the reasons he wants you to take this step is so that you will know in your heart that you are all in for Christ. So that you can tell the world the same. Or is that something you'd rather keep private, just between you and him? so let's go back to our marriage analogy so imagine you're dating and you and your boyfriend or girlfriend are really getting serious and you're starting to talk about marriage and one day he or she comes to you and starts laying out their grandiose dream and plan for a fabulous wedding to take place in a packed church the biggest church in town with hundreds of guests and a huge reception and a large bridal party and a handful of limousines and just every possible every possible detail of, of how you're going to make it the biggest and most fabulous day in which to declare your love for one another and, and uh, repeat your vows and take the plunge. But as you're sharing all your glorious dreams and one you thought was your true love begins to look a little uncomfortable and shifting back and forth on his or her feet and not really looking you in the eye but looking past you or looking down at their their feet and so you ask honey what's wrong and they tell you you know babe I, I was really hoping that we could just keep this whole thing between us a secret we don't need this huge rigmarole get married and you ask do you mean elope? Well, yeah, kind of like elope. But even more than that, we'll just keep our marriage a secret. We won't tell anyone. We won't tell anyone. Nope, no one. Just you and me. will be the only ones who know. If other people happen to see us and figure out that we're married by the way we live, fine. But we don't need to make it public. We don't need to declare our love for one another in public. We'll just keep it a secret. What do you think? What do you think? I already know what you think. Think if you love someone, you don't care who knows. In fact, you want everyone to know, and you will never tire of declaring your love, whether in private or in public. I'm in love. Let's go back, to the, let's go back and answer the question then. Do you have to be baptized in order to be saved and go to heaven? If you understand the gospel message, you already know the answer. There is nothing you can do to earn merit, your salvation. The scripture is so clear. By grace, you're saved through faith as a gift of God, not by works. There's nothing you can do to earn God's favor or forgiveness, neither through baptism nor any other ritual or action. There's even an individual in the scripture who was promised a place in heaven even though he would never get the chance to be baptized. You know who I'm talking about? The thief who was crucified beside Jesus. And in his dying moments, he cries out to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What was Jesus' response to him? Today, you will be with me in paradise. Clearly, baptism is not a requirement for salvation. But be careful. If your attitude is this, well, if baptism wasn't necessary for that guy, and he still got to heaven, then so can I. You've entirely missed the point. It was not reluctance to get baptized that prohibited him from doing so. It was the simple inconvenience of being nailed to a cross and dying. I don't think any of us here today fit that description. So if you're a follower of Christ and you have the opportunity to be baptized, you need to declare it to your heart and to the rest of the world that you are all in for Christ. The thief on the cross isn't our example in this. The believers in Acts chapter 2 are. Acts chapter 2 talks about the day of Pentecost when after Peter preached a sermon about the importance of faith in Christ, A whole bunch of people accepted his message, repented of their sins, put their faith in Christ, and then were baptized. Look at what Acts 2.41 says. Those who accepted Peter's message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And I need to remind you of this. These early believers took this step of faith at great risk. It had been 50 days earlier that Jesus, the one they're claiming to surrender their lives to, had been crucified. You're in Acts chapter two here. All you have to do is go one more chapter to Acts chapter three, and the authorities are pulling, the, pulling Christians, Jesus followers, in for questioning. Persecution begins. I wonder how many of these 3,000 would eventually lose their lives for the sake of Christ. It's hard for us to relate to that. But they were, make no mistake about it, getting into those waters to say, I am all in for Christ. So you tell me, if baptism was important to them, should it be important to me? Your heart needs to know that you are all in for Christ. And he's asking you to declare that publicly. That's why we practice baptism by immersion. Now, in just a minute here, I'm going to close this teaching time in prayer, and we'll have Pastor Mark take over, and we'll we'll watch these four individuals get baptized. As you listen to their stories, tell me if you don't hear them saying, I am all in for Christ. See, you'll never know if you're all in for Christ until your faith gets tested. When you have to choose between Christ's way and your way, and you choose Christ's Or you have to choose between Christ's way and your own convenience. And you take a step of faith and choose Christ's way. Suddenly a joy is going to fill up in your heart and a peace and assurance. Because you will know, like you've never known before, that you are all in for Christ. The one who is all in for you. And maybe for you that next step is going to be into this tank right here. I'd love to talk with any of you how you can start a relationship with Jesus Christ or how you can know your life is surrendered to him or how you can uh, take this step of baptism. So please uh, reach out to me if I can help you in any of those ways. Let's bow our heads for prayer and then we'll enjoy the baptism together. Lord Jesus Christ, we acknowledge and honor you today as the one who experienced the ultimate baptism for us, demonstrating that you were all in for us through a death of pain and shame, taking our sin on yourself, dying, being buried. Lord, but you rose again. You're offering new life. And your spirit is calling us to be united with you. Maybe there's some here who have never done that. I pray that your spirit would be compelling them to put their faith in Christ. There are other, There's others who need to have the confirmation in their own heart that they are, they're surrendered to you. And maybe baptism is that step. We love you and thank you. Bless these four individuals for the stand they're going to take today. And thank you for the privilege we have to be witnesses to it. Make this prayer in Christ's name. Amen.
1: Good morning, everybody. Dan is, uh, Don is, what's his name? Don has just done a great job. (laughs) Great job uh, talking about the whole purpose and importance, uh, manner of baptism. Um, So I'm going to pick up right where he was in Romans chapter 6, where it says that we, that baptism is the outward expression of the internal reality, that we have died to an old way of life where we were Lord and Master. We have yielded our life to Jesus Christ as our Savior and now our Lord. And as I baptize the people, you will see, just as he explained, I will take them below the water and say, in the likeness of his death, in the likeness of his resurrection, as we come up, the idea is that an old way of life has passed in the sense that we were the boss, that we were the Lord, the center of our lives, and we have been raised to a new way of life with Christ as our Lord. We have four individuals that are going to be baptized today, and I'm going to begin. Dan Frampton is going to join me. Dan, have you received Jesus Christ as your savior?
2: Yes, I have. All right, we're gonna hear about that. Hello, my name is Dan. I grew up with my grandparents deeply rooted in the Methodist church. Growing up, I got the sense that attending church on a regular basis was probably a good thing. Bringing good people together to do good things for other people and the community seemed to wear the intention. Building morals and ethics seem like good attributes to have. Praying to God for others seemed as if it could really make a difference. I frequently recite the Lord's Prayer and say prayers before meals and bedtime. I can't stop thinking that I'm missing something. I'm going through the motions, but not feeling it. Shouldn't I be here for more than that? Is that really why we are here? These and other questions were not answered until later in my life. As I grew older, I don't remember attending church as much. As time passed, my morals slid and my ethics took a hit. I became prideful and arrogant. I knew that I had the answer for everything, and I could do whatever I wanted without consequences. I'm not speaking with regards to legal action, but more in my treatment of others. I remained that way for weeks and months, until it built up so much that I thought that God would never love me and that I would never earn my way to heaven. I broke down and wept for the first time that I can remember. I felt so lost and alone. I didn't know what to do. My girlfriend at the time told me that one does not earn his way into heaven. All that needs to be done is to ask God to enter your heart. I prayed three times that night to say that I was sorry for my sins and that I believed that Jesus died for my sins and that he would enter my heart. I felt the biggest relief that I've ever felt after that prayer. My life hasn't been all roses ever since, but I have been at peace when facing the biggest setback of my life. I'm not perfect, contrary to my previous thinking, and I don't have all the answers, though there was a time when I believed I did. I always thought that I could control my life, but I've learned that I cannot. I need God. This is a broken world filled with hurt. I need him to guide and direct. I am being baptized today by immersion to publicly show the death of my old life to the resurrection of my new life and my identification with Jesus Christ.
1: Dan, is it your desire to publicly testify of your relationship to Christ by being baptized? Yes, it is. And it's my joy to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in the likeness of his death and the likeness of his resurrection. is going to meet me now. Join me. This side, John. Huh? Right over here. This is John, he who knows multiple foreign languages. John, have you received Jesus Christ as your savior? I do. And we're gonna hear a little bit about that right now.
3: Hello everybody, my name is John Profaci, and I am a Christian. Yes, I am, I'm a follower of God. I believe God has worked so many ways in my life since so it's a huge impact in my family, the things I have, my experience. Extraordinary, amazing gift of languages, and Jesus has taught me so much in my life and how to be a true follower and a practitioner of this amazing faith and beautiful religion. Um, throughout the years, I was exploring religion myself, and uh, I, you know, I'm exploring Islam and other religions as well. And I was born Catholic. I Brought up, was brought up catholic but the thing is christianity is not only to me a religion per se just a follow of religion it's a way of life it's a way of knowing that god loves me jesus my sins are counted through jesus and all and the reason why i want to be baptized is because i want to please him and be loyal and faithful to god and serve him as he has and will always serve me and his son jesus my lord thank you all and have a wonderful
1: day John, is it your desire to testify of that relationship to Christ by being baptized?
3: Yes. Okay, come on over.
1: John, it's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the likeness of his death, in the likeness of his resurrection. <laughs> <laughs> Josiah Park is going
4: to join me.
1: He's happy the water's warm. Feels <laughs> good. The two of us are happy the water's warm. <laughs> Josiah, have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Yes, I have. Let's hear about it.
4: Hi, my name's Josiah. I had the great, great gift of being born into a family uh, where both parents uh, were Christ followers, people who showed me on a day-to-day basis what it meant uh, to follow Christ and to to sacrifice. Um, And that was a great privilege. But as many kids in my situation, uh, I accepted Christ at a young age. Um, But looking back, a lot of my motivations were uh, out of fear for my soul and less out of uh, being in love with God. So years pass and uh, I was nine years old and I still remember this really vividly. Uh, I was in my room um, about to go to sleep when out of nowhere the weight of my sin just fell on me um, in a really powerful way Uh, and I hadn't really confronted my sin in in a while and even at nine years old, that weight just was overwhelming. But in that moment, God's love swept in on me and just said, I I love you anyway Um, in spite of this and I wanna love you through this I just broke down in that moment. And I remember not so much complex the- theology or, or all the answers, but just the simple fact, God, you love me, you love me, you love me. Why, how could this be? And I remember that, that was the moment where, if I had to point to anything, that was the true moment of where my relationship with God began. However, uh, maybe people can relate to this, but even going into adolescence, uh, a lot of forgetfulness set in, what God had done for me, uh, my relationship to him. Uh, and I sort of had a spiritual amnesia, and I just forgot. Um, more and more, uh, less and less, this this relationship with God and, and what he had done for me again just kind of dribbled away, um, and I forgot his face. Um, but Grace did not stop pursuing me, even through that time. When I was 12 years old, I was diagnosed with a rare autoimmune condition uh, called juvenile uh, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, and the condition affects uh, the joints and the organs in your body. And basically it led to a complete withdrawal of all the things that I loved. Uh, No more sports, no more adventuring outside, um, no more fishing, no more taking my little brother um, outside and playing games, none of that. But then out of nowhere, um, something remarkable happened. Uh, God came again and again, his presence just descended on me. And a joy I can't explain, a peace I can't explain, uh, an awareness of his presence I can't explain. and I think if I had to point again just this amazing process of my weakness um, thinking that I had been master of myself all those years even leading up to that point again God descending and showing me how foolish I was but also how loved I was again keep fast forwarding uh, and take myself to uh, yet another miracle that happened in my life Uh, when I was in high school um, I actually ended up meeting my wife Natalia uh, who is getting baptized today as well um, and God brought me into her life. I was, I was 17 years old uh, and she was 18 and God just really used her in a really amazing way to continue to grow um, my relationship with him. Um, watching her discover Christ for the first time when she came and really accepting him with an abandon that I had never seen before uh, moved me in ways that I still I still can't fully explain or express. And uh, we went on to date for four years and we clung to the cross together and to each other through four years of distance. and. Uh, We've now been married for two years. Um, And I guess a a question that might come up to to those of you who are listening or who are gathered here today is why now, why why baptism now? Over the years, there's been so many times where uh, I've had that desire, but something's always come up, whether it's circumstances don't allow it or whether I ask myself a question, uh, is my testimony good enough? Uh, Is this something, uh, is water baptism even something that's important? all these questions that came up in my mind, but over and over again in the last year, God has just come to me and reminded me, um, you you are loved and that baptism isn't something that I'm doing as a way of guaranteeing my salvation or earning points in heaven, uh, but just simply and truly as obedience to him and as a way of just continuing that. In my process of wrestling with this, I read a really amazing um, quote or thought by John Piper and he said that uh, water baptism is the wedding ring Uh, It's not the true marriage itself, but it is a sign of that deep inward covenant. Again, today is an outward sign of an inward covenant, which is unbreakable. Not because of my own strength, for I'm weak, I'm incapable, uh, but Christ has come to me over and over again, pursued me all the days of my life. Um, And today is about that, not about me. It's about His pursuit of me. It's about declaring that He is enough um, and that uh, and that I choose him, and that he has chosen me. Uh, And oh, the glory, and and what an amazing truth that is. And I'm here to just declare that before all of you. Uh, And uh, I'm just grateful to be here uh, today. Thank you.
1: Josiah, it's my joy to baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit the likeness of his death, the likeness of his resurrection. <laughs> Natalia Park is coming. Natalia, have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Yes, I have. We're going to hear about it. Uh,
5: My name is Natalia Parker, um, and as a kid, I was baptized um, in the Catholic Church. Um, And because of my Catholic faith, I had a background. I had an understanding of God. I prayed to Him. I um, just was in the beginning steps of my relationship with him, but um, it wasn't until my senior year of um, high school that I was invited by my friend, Jenna, shout out, um, to youth group for the first time. And there I feel like I really got an understanding of um, what it meant to surrender my life to to the Lord, um, that I could have a friendship with him. And um, I had never heard of a relationship with him like of God being talked about in that way um so I just really started to grow in that area I started to learn um more about the Lord um and I bought my first Bible I went to a Christian store and I remember going back to youth group and um the girls being so excited um that I had gotten my first Bible and um yeah that 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 senior year of high school, I really began to grow, and and I met my husband, um, and we dated for four years um, long distance, and I started my, um, my college adventure. So that first year of college was really trying and, and really um, just tested my faith because um, I was mostly surrounded by non-believers. It felt like my running because I, I did Division I track and field and cross country, that was a part-time job. Um, academics, same thing. I was an exercise science major. I was just very overwhelmed, very alone, had very few friends where I could really share my heart with, um, and I was just church hopping, trying to find a place, uh, uh, just a home. And so um, God was so faithful, and I found an amazing church home and family and community. To grow with, and um, I, I just always um, look back on that experience of college, of those really first few years of, of struggling through, um, really finding the Lord there at high point, um, but then being just, just seeing His faithfulness through that whole journey, and um, and Him just bringing me that community, bringing me those um, friendships. Fast forward to graduating and getting married, my senior, well, after graduation of my senior year of college. um, And my husband and I both desired to be baptized um, before getting married, but um, there were so many conflicts, so many things that got in in the way, and um, we just weren't able. We just weren't able to. So I think something that I've learned um, from the waiting in this in this time is that your story matters. Um, and I wrote down a little specific um, thing <laughs> message, um, and I just want to read it because I think it's important for me to share this. So. You don't have to have an amazing coming to God moment or timing doesn't have to be perfect. You don't need to have a crazy feeling or a story. Your simple, slow coming to the Lord moment is just as beautiful and just as important. Psalm 139, 13 to 14 says, for you formed my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. If he knew us, even then, in the womb, he values and knows our stories even before anyone could know our own. He wants us to share them. And this is why I am being baptized because I know the love that he has poured out on me. And I I learn more and more with each year and each season the way he continues to pursue my heart. And I believe that as believers, we are called to be baptized. We are called to walk in obedience and not an obedience that is obligatory or condemning, but freeing. An obedience that says he died on the cross, I want to follow. I want to declare my life his and honor him in every way that I can. So I just encourage my youth group kids, friends, anyone listening to not be afraid to do the same. Baptism is a gift that we have available Available in Christ. Why not share your story and love for him? It's never too late
1: Natalia is it your desire then to publicly testify that faith in baptism? Yes It's my joy to baptize you in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit in the likeness of the, the, likeness of the We're gonna dismiss in just a moment, just one thought. And really, you've heard all the thoughts that I would share. I just, I love the visual that Josiah cited from John Piper that baptism is just a wedding band. It's just the announcement that I belong to Christ. And with Natalia and all the others that have shared, just if the Lord is working in your heart right now, maybe he wants you to publicly identify with him through baptism. Maybe you've never personally embraced Jesus Christ as your savior and you just sense God the spirit is is pursuing, drawing, saying, what about you? What about you? I'd love to talk with you, any of our pastors would love, I know Joe and Natalia would love the chance, others to talk with you about how you could personally know Christ as your savior as well. Let's pray together. Lord, what a gift people's stories are. Because ultimately, Lord, as we've heard different stories, the unifying reality is they're your story, that it's your pursuit, It's your not letting us go. It's your seeing us make a thousand wrong choices along the way and still always there waiting when we finally find the emptiness in one thing after another and we come back to you. Lord, work in the hearts of all of us. Um, Deepen our desire to know you. Thank you so much that you want to be known, that you want to and have chosen to to do life with, with us. We love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now go in peace to love and serve and enjoy the Lord.